Hello, you're listening to an episode of Trade Talks, a podcast about the economics of trade policy. I'm Samaya Keynes, the Trade and Globalization Editor for The Economist. And I'm Chad Bowne, a senior fellow with the Peterson Institute for International Economics. This week, we are going to be talking about the World Trade Report of 2019. Every year, the World Trade Organization puts out a big report that does a deep dive into some aspect of international trade. This year's report is about trade in services. This is a topic that on Trade Talks, we have shamefully neglected. So in this episode, we're going to try and do some Trade in Services 101 and give listeners some of the highlights of this new report. We're going to talk to some of the contributors to this year's report. We caught up with them in Geneva at the WTO's public forum. The first is Alan Beatty of the Financial Times. He wrote a page on why trade in services is not discussed very much. We asked him, why do us journalists obsess over stuff instead of services? Journalists like conflict. They like people battling against each other. And a lot of the big disputes are in goods. We're just seeing a 15-year dispute over Airbus and Boeing subsidies, which is continuing. This is a thing that grabs everyone's attention. Making aircraft, you know, it's a big, shiny metal thing. People can see that. Similarly and relatedly, the lobby groups tend to be much better organised for goods than they do for services. Goods have been around longer and they're more unified You can see this in the debate over Brexit. You know, the UK financial services sector is an awful lot bigger than the UK car industry, certainly a lot bigger than the UK fishing industry, which one of my colleagues calculated had about the same turnover each year as Harrods, right? But the average Brit, I think the average punter reading about Brexit will have heard a lot more about fishing and the car industry than they will have done about financial services because most people eat fish Most people have a car or have access to a car. They can visualize that. Most people do not buy and sell financial services across borders. And all the related services like management consultancy services, for example, legal services and so forth, most people, poor benighted souls that they are, do not buy and sell legal services across borders. So it's it's much harder to envisage. It's harder to see in the debate. And the the lobby groups are much less well-organized. So the car industry is pretty well-organized. The Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders have been around for a long time. Financial services famously are splintered into different lobby groups. They weren't that well-organized. They were kind of lobbying at odds. They don't have as big a profile. They're not very sympathetic as well, obviously, because these are, in many people's eyes, the people who brought the global economy to the brink. And so they so they, they tend to get a lot less focus. Alan also explained that cutting a tariff or or increasing a beef quota makes sense to people. But in services, you can really get into the weeds of of regulatory harmonisation and, oh boy, there are a lot of syllables there. Enough excuses. The other two contributors to the report we spoke to both work at the WTO and they were part of the team that, that wrote the main meat of this thing. So my name is Stella Rubinova, and I'm a research economist at the WTO. My name is uh, Roberta Piermartini, and I'm the chief of the trade cost analysis section here at the WTO. So first of all, we're going to describe what we mean by trade and services. 
this is complicated because when trade nerds talk about services, they essentially split out according to the different ways that the trade and services happens. These different types of trade and services are called modes. And there are four of these modes. Mode one is when you buy a service from someone who is in another country. So this is the closest parallel to what we think of as trading goods. This is, for instance, when you download your music from a foreign podcast server. To an episode of Trade Talks, a podcast. So I guess we're exporting podcasting services from America to the rest of the world. I'm not. I'm not sure we show up in the numbers because, as listeners will note, Trade Talks is free. Uh, maybe think of Netflix or something. Mode two is when you and you're you're the buyer here. That's when you go in person to another country to buy services. So when I was at university, I imported French services when I left America to go to France to study abroad. Stella had another example of mode two services trade that many listeners will have engaged in. Well, for instance, when you go on holidays and you buy your meal in a restaurant in a foreign country. That is mode two. Mode three is when a company selling services provides that service through a foreign affiliate. So a company might be headquartered in one country, and then it sets up affiliates in other countries to sell services there. Well, think of a bank that wants to provide services abroad, and hence they set up an affiliate where their clients can buy their financial and banking services. So, for example, big banks like HSBC or Barclays or the Royal Bank of Scotland—they've got their headquarters in the UK. But they have affiliates that operate all around the world. So, mode one is arm's length trade and services. The buyer and the seller are in different countries. Mode two is the buyer traveling in person to the seller. Mode three is the seller traveling to the buyer by setting up a commercial presence via a subsidiary. The fourth and, and final mode is when people go abroad to sell services and they're not employed by a local subsidiary. That's, for instance, when a professor goes and gives a lecture at a university in a foreign country. I have done that. I've engaged in mode four services trade. Well done, you. I asked Roberta which mode of trade and services I was engaged in, and and she this was after we spoke, and, and she sent back a really complicated answer based on a lot of correspondence with other people at the WTO. And I, th- I think the U.S. subsidiary of The Economist sells services, because I'm writing articles for them that will eventually get sold in, in the U.S. So I think I'm contributing to mode three trade and services but Roberta did ask me whether I might consider changing my job for the for the sake of statistics. Anyway, as I was going through the definitions, th- the thing that struck me was just how much this definition of, of services trade covers. I actually got a bit worried that it covered so much that it was actually a broader definition of trade than we were used to when we were thinking about trade in goods. So suppose you have a company like General Motors, right? So their headquarters is in the US and they set up a foreign affiliate, say in China, right? So you've got GM China. That foreign affiliate is doing a couple of things. It's providing services locally to people who have have bought cars and it's also making the cars. Now, the, the services that it's providing in China, that is going to show up as mode three trade and services. 
But any goods that they make, any cars that they make in China, that is not going to count as goods trade. Those cars are not crossing a border. And so the worry is that when we compare trade in goods and services, this trade in services is a broader definition and, and it, we're not really comparing like with like. I asked Stella about this and she said yes. The, the broad definition of services is not strictly comparable with the standard definition of trade in goods. The reason is that GATT, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, covers goods provided cross-border, while GATT, the General Agreement on Trade and Services, already acknowledged the fact that providing services cross-border is difficult and then there are these other modes of supply. And hence, under GATT, the negotiations about, uh, about services cover all these modes of supply. So really, it is... When we want to talk about opening markets and about uh, liberalizing trade and services, it was acknowledged that we need to take into account all these different modes of supply because cross-border supply is only a limited way how to supply services. I think what is going on here is that trade and services is really difficult. They estimate that the cost of trading a service is about double the cost of trading the equivalent value of goods. You often need to do it face-to-face and getting people together, is it's expensive and oftentimes quite complicated. If you want to sell services, you're going to bump up against much more regulation than if you're just trying to sell stuff. And so think about healthcare. You obviously want regulations to stop fake doctors in foreign countries from providing healthcare services. But at the same time, you go too far and the regulations could actually stop real doctors from being able to sell their services across borders. So the people measuring trade and services are casting a really wide net and measuring all the possible different kinds of trade there is out there in services. Think of the number for trade and services as covering everything that services trade negotiations might cover. If it could come up in, in trade discussions, it's in those numbers. And don't worry, you don't have to remember which mode is which. This isn't going to be on the test. But what we do want you to remember is that trade and services covers a really broad range of stuff, from tourism to companies setting up subsidiaries in foreign countries to things like Netflix. We asked Roberta how much trade and services there is. So the number is 13.3 trillion US dollars. That's the total of trade and services globally. Of this, 60% is trade through a foreign affiliate. So that's a very, very uh, high share. So including all the modes, in particular that mode three that happens through a foreign affiliate, that massively boosts the amount of global trade and services that we think is going on. The report also looked at how quickly trade and services has been growing. And when you did a like-for-like like comparison, so not counting the stuff that, that happens through those foreign affiliates, over the past few decades, trade in services has tended to grow more quickly than trade in goods. And that means that services' share in overall trade has been growing. In 1970s, services were just 9% of overall trade, and now it's more like 20%. Big picture, though, it still looks like trade in goods is much more important than trade in services. And that makes sense. It's just much easier to sell physical things overseas than it is to deal with the hassle of all those foreign regulations that go along with services. 
We wanted to know the best examples of, of trading services. So for trading goods, some of the most important items are things like semiconductors, oil and cars. We asked Stella what the best examples were for services. So the most globally traded services are distribution services. This is, for instance, uh, retail supermarkets operating in a, in a foreign country. Banking, especially private banking, is now a globalized business where often banks have uh, branches in foreign countries and provide services to foreign customers. Then we have telecommunication and computer services. So you can think of your phone operator. Is that company from your country? Very likely, especially in Europe, it is coming from a different country. And finally, among the most traded services is, of course, unsurprisingly, transport services. So you can, for instance, think about uh, airline services. When you fly to a foreign country, you are very likely be using uh, a foreign airline company. As an American, when I think about trade and services, the best examples are going to be maybe if I use a foreign bank like HSBC or if my mobile phone carrier is, is T-Mobile or maybe if I fly to Europe on, on Lufthansa or Air France. So those are the best examples of, of really important kinds of services trade. But the report also highlights a few kinds that are really not that big right now, but they do seem to be growing very quickly. So examples include things like education or healthcare and, and digital advertising services that, that are being delivered by companies like Google or, or Facebook. And funnily enough, China is behind one of the other big, fast-growing areas of services trade. Construction so far is one of the least internationally traded services, but China has been really pioneering exports of uh, construction services, and it's been growing exponentially since past 10 years. The likely driver of this exponential growth of uh, Chinese exports of construction services is the Belt and Road Initiative, where China invests a lot in infrastructure in foreign countries and at the same time provides construction services to build the, this infrastructure. So now we have a sense of, of what trade and services actually is and, and the best examples to be thinking about. The next question is, is who is doing it? Now, in general, rich countries do more trade than poorer countries, but, but the report focuses on developing countries and their share of trade and services has been rising a lot. Turns out, though, it's mainly five economies that have been driving this increase. And those are China, Singapore, South Korea, India, and Hong Kong. And there seems to be something special about the way they've increased their trade and services. Most of the increase has happened through one mode, this mode three. That's the mode where a company sells services overseas through a foreign affiliate. That's my mode. There is a reason why when you trade in services, you typically grow faster if you trade uh, through commercial presence abroad, that trade costs are very high in the other modes of trading services. And because to set a foreign affiliate requires funds, and it's a costly business, that is not an accessible way of trading services for the other 125 countries that don't, don't have the means to do that. The idea here is that by setting up a foreign affiliate, you're, you're essentially reducing the costs of doing business locally in that market. That foreign affiliate essentially facilitates the trade and services. That's how you get it done. But 
Doing that is expensive. There may be big one-off expenses associated with setting up that foreign affiliate. You've got to sort out the office, get the local staff. And for that, you need finance, you need money. And maybe that finance is, is more easily available if you're coming from certain countries. So it might be easier to get that finance if you're coming from China or, or Hong Kong than if you're coming from somewhere where credit is not easy to get hold of, either because the government just isn't subsidizing loans or maybe the financial system just isn't very well developed. We asked Stella if she wanted to highlight any other interesting nuggets from the report. Another stylized fact is that services both in developed and developing countries seem to be the most education and skill intensive. So they tend to be on average much more skill intensive than uh, both manufacturing and agriculture. It is often the highly skilled services that are the most traded. And if trade between developed and developing countries of services happens, we would suggest that there will be push on the demand for skills, both in developed and developing countries. And what we know from some studies, for instance, or India or the Philippines, this was the case that trade and services, in the case of India, mostly computer IT services, in the case of Philippines, the business process offshoring, it did lead to higher demand for skills. And it put an upward pressure on the skill premium, the difference between the salaries of high skill and low skill workers. This is all part of a bigger and I think still unanswered question about whether trade and services is really going to be different from trade in goods, especially when it comes to the, the impact of services trade on things like inequality and how disruptive it is on the overall economy. And the evidence we have so far on this is just really poor. But given that the report predicts that trade and services is, is really going to continue to grow, policymakers should be paying attention to this. The last point is that the rules over services trade are really not very well developed. and certainly not relative to the ones for goods. I asked Stella how recently it was we got any rules for services trade. Very recently, you could say. Compared to international commitments in traded goods, the trade in services came only in 1995. And that's when uh, countries uh, negotiated the general agreement on trade in services and uh, agreed to commit certain service sectors in the system. Unfortunately, since then, there has been very little that uh, has been done in terms of uh, liberalization of services trade at the WTO in the multilateral system. And since around 2000, it's been the expansion and proliferation of regional trade agreements that picked up services liberalization and services became a big part of, of these trade agreements. In, at the regional level or bilateral level. Just like doing trade and services is hard, liberalizing trade and services is hard. You very quickly get into this tangle of, of domestic regulation. Now, you, you have barriers to trade that essentially were not set up purely to restrict foreign competition. Those regulations, they were put there for other reasons often, to, to protect consumers or, or to make sure that regulators could, could keep an eye on things and keep the system safe. I think we should wrap up here. My key takeaways are services trade is becoming more important particularly the kind that seems to be being delivered through foreign affiliates, this mode three trade. We also don't know much yet about the, the distributional impacts of services trade, but we should watch out as they could be quite disruptive. 
trade in services is much harder to do than trade in goods. In liberalizing trade in services, that seems to be really hard as well, especially getting international cooperation through the multilateral trading system. That is all for Trade Talks. A huge thank you to Stella Rubinova and Roberta Piermartini of the World Trade Organization. Thank you also to Barbara and Antonia, also of the WTO, for helping work out which mode of services exports I engage in. Thanks also to Alan Beattie of the Financial Times and a shout out to the new trade column at the FT called Trade Secrets. It's going to come out four days a week. All trade geeks should want to read it and go and sign up for it. Thank you to the Brazilian Mission who organized a, a, a birthday pie for me at the WTO Public Forum. I ate the whole thing. I can confirm that he did. Thank you to Colin Warren, our audio guy. Do follow us on Twitter. I'm at Samaya Keynes. And I'm at Chad Bown. And we're on at trade underscore underscore talks. That's not one but two underscores, at trade underscore underscore talks. Because talking about more than one kind of trade, trading goods and services, is better than one. Though do we really need all four modes? I think we should have some modes of trading goods. More definitions is what we need. Can I also say that trade in services would be a lot more exciting if there was anti-dumping for, for services? Chad, no one likes you. One final quick thing, which is that I think I managed to find a topic that is even more controversial than tariffs, which is background music. Uh, a majority of people seem to like it, and a very vocal minority seem to really, really hate it. And, and for now, I'm going to put this down to the fact that I'm kind of making up this music stuff as I go along, and it's very likely that I just need some more practice, but I, I promise to be super restrained and not to add too many pregnant pauses. <laughs> <laughs>